It is 23 and a half after the hour on a, uh, originally it was a therapeutic Thursday, but once again, it has evolved to now be a theological Thursday because none other than Pastor Robbie Pruitt has joined us from Ashburn, Virginia. That's where his home is. His church is in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, which has been in the news again lately. Robbie, what's going on in Fairfax there? What did what did we do this time? I think it had something to do with a school board or a demonstration or somebody throwing rocks or something. I, I don't oh, remember. Man. But but yeah, you 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 guys are, are 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 getting the spotlight these days in the media. Must have so. must have a journalist living there. Yeah, we <laughs> got a be. few of those around mm, here. Yeah. The DMV, the Washington D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, always something going on around here. It's a little bit busy. Good to be with you, uh, Jim and David. It's a pleasure to be on the Broken Road as always. Thanks Good for having to me. Have you, Robbie? As as I mentioned, his church. He's an Anglican pastor. And uh, also the executive director of Preserving Bible Times, which you hear about often here on the station. You can find it on our website. You can link to it and find some valuable stuff there, especially as it pertains to biblical context, which is kind of Robbie's specialty. Robbie has been been uh, just tremendous at weaving together. And they're already woven together if you know what you're reading. But once you, mm-hmm. you get the context, you know how important the Old Testament is to the new and vice versa. It's one story. And so we, we appreciate Robbie, and, and, uh, and we're going to learn something together today. Robbie, we've been kind of trotting our way through, through uh, John 14, 15, 16, and now John 17, which is probably my, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you mentioned uh, also in, in your notes about the, the topic today that, to, that this Sunday is Ascension Day. I want to kind of address that first. As far as I know, in reading the Gospels, you really can't pinpoint the day, that is, the day between the, the, the resurrection and Pentecost when Jesus ascended. Um, and I, I like to think it's probably closer to Pentecost than it is to resurrect, because there was all that teaching time yeah. of the disciples. And when, when he revealed the scripture, and, and they all somehow changed even before the day of Pentecost. I think, I think they were, they were, it was, it was kind of like grad school for the disciples. But but the church, the Anglican church, any liturgical church has Ascension Day on the calendar. And I've got to tell you, I've never been, a, I've mentioned it before, I've never been a regular part of a liturgical church where the calendar dictates or specifies or, or indicates the topic for each week of the year. How did they choose this Sunday for Ascension Day and, mm. and, and how close did they, did they come? That's a great question, and it's actually today. A lot of churches oh, today. observe okay. it on Sunday, mm-hmm. so the the Sunday closest to the Ascension. But today, the 18th of May, when this is going live here, is Ascension Day. So today is the Feast of the Ascension. It's one of the oldest feasts in the church year. So this feast was uh, going back as far as potentially A.D. 68, so this this feast would have been going on um, for 20 years if John the Gospel of John was written in 90 A.D. This feast would have been observed. Now that that's too early to have been part of the Roman Catholic Church, right? So is it maybe the Jerusalem Church that instituted? Well, yeah, this? I mean the the house church that you see beginning in Acts, basically. I mean mm-hmm. that's that's the church, but 40 days from Easter to the ascension, counting the 40 days of resurrection appearances that Jesus um, walked and talked with his disciples. So you get this in 1 Corinthians 15 when Jesus appears to the 500, 
at one time. You get it when Jesus is on the road to Emmaus. We talked a few stories or shows ago about um, Jesus appearing to the disciples twice in the upper room and revealing himself to them. And then, of course, to them and Thomas, who was away at the time. So, 40 days from the resurrection to the ascension, and it's, uh, Sproul says that it's a hinge pin. It's, it's basically the, the doctrine that holds the church together. If Jesus does not ascend, then in, a, in, a, in effect, his death, burial, and resurrection are null and void if he doesn't reassume his throne. So, when we hear ascension, we think like, beam me up, Scotty, like Star mm-hmm. Trek. Yeah. You know? Um, and we we think solely of Jesus ascending into the heavens from earth, and it's that scene in Acts, but it's more than that. It's actually, you know, think what we just witnessed a couple of weeks ago with uh, King Charles's coronation. You know, the, the King Charles III ascended to the throne, and so that's throne language where Jesus ascends, he reascends to his throne. So if you look at a, a, a passage like, um, gosh, Philippians 2, where Jesus takes on the form of a servant and he becomes obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And then even Paul gets into it where he says that God highly exalted him. So, this is uh, Philippians 2, verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that was above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord to the glory of the Father. That every knee shall bow. I mean, this what this is what happens when people bow or curtsy or take a knee before their king. And so, unless Jesus ascends and reasserts his authority and reign, then um, then this thing comes unraveled. And and the Holy Spirit would not have have invested the earth and 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 the disciple group and and the rest of us if that was the case because jesus said it had to be that way he has to go so the holy spirit would would come um and the other thing about that date is that there were angels present i mean that doesn't happen every day in the bible that must have been a very i mean it's obviously a significant event but I'm, i'm i'm trying to imagine what the disciples were thinking and witnessing at that at that point hmm that's a, a spectacular scene. Um, so you see it in Acts 1-3 that Jesus presented himself alive to them after suffering many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So that's the 40-day period where we get the ascension from, from the resurrection. That's 10 days, be 10 days before Pentecost, which means 50-50 days, correct? Right, right, exactly. So we've got 10 more days to go yet before we hit Pentecost, which is a a feast day celebrated on the 28th of May, Memorial Day weekend. We we will celebrate that on a Sunday. So we're the Ascension Day proper is today. A lot of churches will observe it on the 21st, but then uh, Pentecost is the 28th this year. 
And uh, the color goes from white, which is the Easter season, any season of a feast day, a great feast day, and then it'll transition to red for uh, Pentecost. And that red is uh, used at ordinations, and uh, so it's just a symbol of the of fire, basically, and uh, the Holy Spirit coming down as tongues of fire on the disciples. Now, the Gospels tell us that they were at, at Galilee, and they were fishing, and Jesus had breakfast for them on, on, the, on the beach. And that's, that's shortly before where I picture the, the ascension happening up north, but some say it happened from the Mount of Olives. Well, Bethany, what's, yeah, you get, what's it, the you clue? get that in Luke, Luke mm-hmm. 24 um, is the clue. Verses 50 through 53, and he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them, and while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple blessing God. So, that's your that's your cue, verse 50 of chapter 24 of Luke that uh, the ascension happens as they are as far as Bethany. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that helps us piece together that, that amazing 40 days that we hear so little about, really. We hear right. about the, the disciples witnessing him and seeing him, talking with him, having breakfast after fishing on Galilee, and now back at Bethany. There was a lot going on that Luke, as- Luke decided not to include, ex- except for the opening of Acts. Right. And, and as Anglicans, we, we've been celebrating Easter all this time. Mm. And so the Protestants will do it one Sunday. Mm. Uh, the mainline Protestants, I should say, we are sure. Protestant as well. But we've been celebrating Easter. Well, we celebrate Easter all year long, every day of the year, every year. But in terms of the liturgical season, we go until the Ascension and even to Pentecost as the Easter, Easter tide. Well, the, uh, one of the things that I just noticed, and uh, I looked it up, and it's, I got this nagging memory of somewhere a reference to Jesus rising up right after the crucifixion, or right after he's uh, after the tomb is rolled away, and it's in the Nicene Creed, mm. and and there's a and there's a an important period after the after the phrase in accordance with the scriptures, and then it says he ascended into heaven. But it doesn't say he waited forty days. Yeah, I mean, it, they skipped that part. I mean, it's and and the the assumption I think for most people that that don't really go much beyond the Nicene Creed, they just make assumptions that well he must have gone and then he came back and then he left again. Yeah, that according to the scriptures true. is the gospel proclamation that we find in uh, Corinthians hmm. chapter uh, fifteen. And then again, you're right to point out the, the Nicene Creed. He, is, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And that ascension has to happen um, for the Holy Spirit to come, which comes next in the, uh, the, the Nicene Creed. The Nicene mm-hmm. Creed, we, we quote every Sunday after the sermon, and it's kind of the checks and the balances for the preacher. So we basically, every Sunday's proclaim what we believe with the Nicene mm-hmm. Creed, and that way we can weigh what the preacher just expounded on upon the, the readings for that day against what we believe. So, that ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father is necessary for the next line, which is, He will come again mm-hmm. in glory to judge the living and the dead. 
Um, it, it's the old expression, let me go so I can come back. You know, mm, I say right. that often <laughs> when I leave church, I'm going to leave so I can come back, you know, mm. when, I'm, when I'm having a particularly busy schedule. But gosh, we he can't return unless he goes. And, and that's part of the, the flow of things. And then we get to the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. Um, after after that, he will come again. Well, speaking of going, uh, the, toward the end of the, the Last Supper, now this is on, on uh, well, on, on what day of the week of Holy Week is, is up for grabs. The Essenes have one version and the, the Jews have another. But uh, whether it was Tuesday or Thursday, um, he concluded the dinner with, with a magnificent mm. prayer. Um, I mean, to me, this is the Lord's Prayer. The other one is the disciples' prayer to my mom. Well, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I'm not nitpicking here. I'm just saying in my you mind, <laughs> this, this this is this is this is a an encapsulation of his whole ministry, right yeah. here on in John chapter 17. Now, yeah. in the beginning, if you don't mind me, I don't want to preempt you here. I'm not sure where you planned on starting with this, but the term "glorify" stops me when I read this. John 17 opens with the words. This is the English Standard Version. When Jesus had spoken these words, he had just been teaching his disciples at the Last Supper in, in the upper room. He lifted his eyes up to heaven and said, quote, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Yeah. What does glorify mean? Yeah, it, it's a good question. Well, let's get there because you talked a little bit about the timeline. You've got the, the foot washing that happens in the upper room and John 13. And then Jesus uh, sends Judas away to betray him. That's important because this Judas is mentioned in the in the prayer, which is sometimes called the high priestly prayer. I don't like that. That's not mm. actually in the text. That's a, a title, a subtitle that someone slapped on there. But Judas shows up as the son of perdition because Jesus says, I haven't lost anyone except for the son of perdition. And that's a, a Judas reference most people Agree. Most scholars agree that that's a, a reference to Judas. But Jesus sends Judas away to betray him, which you do do quickly. And then he gets into Peter's denial at the end of chapter 13. And then you have I am the way, the truth, and the life. We enter into chapter 14, some teaching on the Holy Spirit, the, the counselor, the other helper. And then... Um, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and his gift of peace. And then what's telling is the very last verse of chapter 14. Verse 31, Jesus says, But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Now, don't mm, miss that. Yeah. Arise, let us go from here. It's like, wait a minute, they're still in the upper room in chapter 14. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's important. Now, we talked about um, the vine and the branches last week in last week's show, and that begins chapter 15, the, the I am the true vine, one of the I am statements in 15. The implication here is now we're outside. Ah, uh -huh. okay. And hmm. potentially... Jesus is using either the, the vine motif on the temple or a vineyard that they are walking by down through the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives. Now, 
then it, it gets interesting again because there is another ag- account where they now go across Jesus invites them to now go across the Kidron Valley which which is again showing movement from the upper room to uh, the the site of the betrayal and that happens in 18. And that, that's about a half an hour walk from where they would have been in the southwestern part of Jerusalem, the Essene Quarter, through the south yeah. gate, and then a left turn down through the Kidron Valley and the Pink Water. Do you remember that reference from, from Doug's yeah, teaching? Yeah, yeah, because the blood of the sacrifices up on the Temple Mount. All those Paschal the, lambs that had been sacrificed, yeah. The Kidron Brook would run red during Passover. So they most likely stepped over bloody water or went through bloody water to get up to the um and, and that, by the way that's an 18 so let's just read this is these are our sandwich verse mm-hmm. verses arise let us go from here the end of 14 mm-hmm. and then the beginning of 18 when jesus had spoken these words he went out with his disciples over the brook kidron where there was a garden and he prayed with his disciples. I'm just thinking, I, I think in movie scenes sometime, what a, what a scene that would make. Just yeah. walking across the blood red water. Hmm. So, why is this important? Because um, there is prayer peppered throughout John's gospel. Jesus invites us into his prayers. One of the examples is the raising of Lazarus in chapter 11. If you remember when Jesus is standing outside of Lazarus's tomb, he prays to his father and he prays audibly and publicly where he can be heard for the benefit of the hearers. And that was intentional because that was the trigger event that started the wheels of, of his arrest, torture, and crucifixion in the in in the religious elite, those the, the the Sanhedrin in particular. Yeah, yeah. So you get this, and and and, and the word glory. You <laughs> to get back to your point. Yeah. Time ago. Let, let's get back to that. In in chapter eleven, John chapter eleven, starting at verse forty, Jesus said to her, "Did I not say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God?" So, Jesus is very intimately concerned with the glorification of the Father, even in this dialogue at the time of the raising. Well, there, of now you're going to bring up the, the, the crux of the matter, as far as I'm concerned, because the word glorify and glory are two different things. Glory, I can kind of relate to. Glorify, in other words, how does something that I do glorify God, who has the glory to begin with? Now, there, Doug's had a teaching on this, so I, I, I want you to, to, to okay. see, see. Glory is, is reflecting the glory of God. It's not yeah. adding to his, you know? Yeah. yeah. You, you could argue that when Moses receives the Ten Commandments and he sees the hindquarters of God and he mm-hmm. has to veil his face, that he is reflecting God's glory. Now, the moon has no light of its own. It reflects the light of the sun. And so we 
are in in turn to be like that moon reflecting the glory of God back into the world just kind of like the moon reflecting the sun's light but they took away the stone in the raising of Lazarus in that place and then Jesus lifted up his eyes and said father I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me but because of the people who were standing by I said this that they may believe that you sent me so John has a sent theme that he is the sent one that Jesus is mm-hmm. the sent one throughout John's gospel so here we see a public audible prayer so that everyone may know that Jesus has been sent by the Father. And he says, I know that you've always hear me, but I'm saying this for the benefit of these people. And then he raises Lazarus. So Jesus, in his teaching, after they leave the upper room, we've got chapter 15 and the the vineyard imagery mm-hmm. and I am the true vine he teaches again on his on the coming rejection the work of the holy spirit that in this world you have various trials and tribulations but be of good cheer so he's teaching them all along this way to the mount of olives and then he prays so chapter 17 And again, that, quote, high priestly prayer, it's not there. I like your term for it. I'm going to use that when I preach and teach on this a little bit on Sunday. I believe this is the the Lord's prayer. This is is the prayer that Jesus prayed. We're hearing his heart here. Yeah. Yeah, and and he's he's not praying in isolation and alone. And just to, to, again, prove my point about this public intimacy and this invitation, he gives it again. In chapter 18 of John, remember that Jesus goes a stone's throw mm-hmm. away and prays, and he asks his disciples to watch with him, to stay awake and watch, and they keep falling asleep, not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus is inviting them into intimate communion, and so we need a quick definition of prayer. Prayer is relationship. It's our relationship with God. But to a Jew, our relationship with God is not in isolation. And, and Doug taught about this a lot, too. He, he taught about this idea that we are in the West individualistic. Mm-hmm. Self-made people. He- yeah. yeah, but in a Hebrew culture, it's more communal. It's walking, talking, intimate relationship, this movement of the disciples where there's – there's 13 people there, or, or at least with the, there's 11 disciples, there's Jesus, there's 12, because Judas isn't there, and then there's God. So there are 13 people walking to, and talking, and Jesus is inviting the disciples into this intimate communion between him and the Father for their benefit. The impressive thing about this is he doesn't waste any words. No, I mean, this, and they're all loaded. Yes, they're they all are. Loaded. Yes. Now, a quick question on glorify again. What if it read this way? Father, the hour has come. Honor your son that the son may honor you. Is that a an inaccurate yeah. thing? Yeah, to me, it leaves me hungry because glorify 
is signifying, and he he prefaces this even in his own prayer. There, there is a glory that he is wanting to attain, which he has left, and this is he emptied himself. This is why I began with um, with Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter two, because he has descended. I mean, the incarnation is the great condescension. Jesus has left his glory to come here. Okay, well, that's better. Now, if we look at at, at verse 5, that's where it comes out. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. It's so easy to skip over that. I'm so impressed with what preceded it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's there. So here we have the incarnation again. And John begins with the word became flesh and dwelt among us in his gospel. And here we see the implications or the cost of the great condescension or the descension. Hmm. When when Jesus descends his throne and comes here to live as one of us, to take on human flesh, to die a sinner's death, even though he was sinless, he lived and died like one of us, and he has left his Father's presence. He has physically left his glory, his heavenly glory, and when he ascends, he's receiving it again, but he's also glorified here on earth at his death because it fulfills the obedience of why he came. Mm -hmm. It is finished. It is finished, yeah. So, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work you have given me to do. Hmm. So he's he's finished it. There's that word. It is finished. I've finished it. But this is, again, this is pre-cross when he says this, but he knows that all the, the first domino is tipped, and then all the rest of them are going to fall into place. Mm-hmm. This is organized, and he knows it. So now he's done. The work is done, and now he's going to be betrayed into the hands of someone else. So now he's not controlling the narrative. He get, he lays his life down, and then he goes with them. This is uh, which he, makes clear those moments when he is is under so much tension. Yeah, that he as as some would say he sweats or is sweated blood, uh, which does have a medical definition, by the way. Yeah. Um, but but it's, yeah, it's it, he 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 had to be. Is afraid the right word? Well, sure. And, and I mean, it, it, again, Jesus is a two hundred percent man. Anytime you ask one question of Jesus, you have to ask two: one mm. in reference to his deity, and the other in reference to his humanity. Sure, he's terrified. He knows what's coming. In his deity, he knows what's coming. He sees it fully. But in his humanity, he is not yet to experience it. So, certainly, the agony, the fear, and then this being taken where you don't want to go is the same language he gives back to Peter. Yes. At at the resurrection account. Mm. And it takes one to know one, because I've been delivered up to death, and this is about to happen to you. Somebody's going to lead you where you don't want to go? Well, Jesus just experienced that. Mm. Um, At that resurrection appearance, he has already experienced that. So now Jesus is being given into the hands of his betrayer in chapter 18. But Jesus wants oneness. And this is almost like Deuteronomy, 
Deuteronomy is, is Moses's final speech. What would you want your people to know before you ascend to heaven, in a sense? Because Moses dies, God buries him, and now absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord, he's with Jesus, or with God, in the Old Testament. Now, Jesus, the greater Moses, is in a sense giving his final speech to his disciples, and it includes this prayer, this Jesus prayer. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and he prays it for their benefit, and he's longing for a oneness. And it's the oneness of the Trinity. So we will celebrate the Trinity Sunday uh, in June, but it's this oneness of the triune God, God in relationship to himself. He is praying it for all of his disciples and all of his church to be one as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one. And this is the longing for the intimacy of God with his people once again. And I should say, for any of you with a Bible handy, turn to John 17 and just read that in a quiet place and just absorb it. It is a magnificent, moving piece of Scripture. I think probably, well, it's the climax of his ministry. I mean, it, it, you could you could say, well, the, resurrec the resurrection, well... I don't know. This this teaches you what Jesus was all about, and, and it gives you such an inside scoop to what his personality was like, where his heart was, and, and how he pictured his whole purpose here. John chapter 17. Robbie, we're grateful as always uh, for what we've learned from you today, and we'll look forward to next week. And, uh, and I, I really appreciate your educating me and us on, on the, the nature of liturgy. And why it's really so important to a church. Because now, in the church I'm going to, you don't see it. And and mm. not that I've experienced it greatly, but I, I miss it now. I mean, it, it's like it ought to be there. It just ought yeah. to be there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a joy, a privilege, and a pleasure to be with you, gentlemen. And uh, I love being on the broken road. It, it, the pleasure's all mine, and I'm the one doing the learning here. And I want to mention, too, that Preserving Bible Times, you can link to it from our website, preservingbibletimes.org, and there you will find just a wealth of information on biblical context. It's the stuff that helps you read between the lines and, and, and take in the full impact of what you read, particularly in the Gospels, but not limited to the Gospels. It's, it's really from, from page one to, to the end, all 66 books. You need that that uh, context. So uh, pay them a visit, preservingbibletimes.org. You can subscribe to Robbie's uh, monthly newsletter, Between the Lines, and it's free. And you, uh, you just by clicking a couple of mouse clicks, that will appear in your email um, once a month, sometimes more, and you look forward to those things. Robbie, be well. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 